is so much younger than today I never needed anybody's help in any way This is podcast 371, entitled At the Earth's Core. It is a Christmas episode, but I think it is a gut-level episode, I hope, in a way that will be, um, that will shed light on the sort of place where the star has to shine. So it's not only seasonal, it's universal, and it's uh, associated with um, a movie that came out in 1976 by Amicus Studios in England entitled At the Earth's Core, based on an Edgar Rice Burroughs novel about some Victorian explorers who find themselves on a kind of inward rocket ship straight to the very heart of the earth, to the core of the earth, where they discover a quite different world than they have just Edwardianly or Victorianly left. And um, the podcast is therefore dedicated to my friend Tom Agricola, who understands about things like this. If I were to say Amicus Studios, he just will just light up, as I do I. If I use the reference Doug McClure in relationship to Peter Cushing, he lights up, as do I. So Tom, this is for you, and yet it is also about what we've been talking about in our Bible study on Wednesdays here, which has been such a revelatory moment of truth for the wonderful men who come to it. And um, what's happened historically is that the Christian church has received, you know, terrible um, media coverage from the very beginning by people who were antagonistic to the message and to its power, really the world, the flesh, and the devil, by um, satirizing and lampooning and criticizing the uh, kind of uh, um, costume it comes in, or the clothing, the visible church, and much of the lampooning and the criticism has been justified. And uh, we have to get really below that because it's actually quite superficial, the criticism to what is ultimately at the earth's core, and that is the conviction and the experience that God meets us at the core of our unmediated and accessible vulnerabilities, frailties, losses, and needs, (coughs) and hurts, and pains, and sins. (coughs) And this is the great credential of the Christian experience. Now, um, when I was about 12, um, being into foreign movies, I went one Saturday afternoon, maybe I was 12 at the most, to see Winter Light by Ingmar Bergman. That's a fun little movie about a disillusioned and really um, impotent, in the broad sense, Lutheran minister in Sweden, who's lost his faith in light of the Cold War and in light of a very um, obnoxious, troubling relationship where he has let down a woman himself, let alone her, he, him, and um, uh, it documents uh, the kind of dead clothing of the Swedish Lutheran Church when it's uh, uh, 
tied to unbelief and uh, sorrow and disillusionment. And the movie is about as fun and as uplifting as uh, a root canal. <clears throat> but I realized then that there was a lot of criticism out there from people I admired, like Ingmar Bergman, who later on became much closer to Christian faith at the end. But that's a very interesting and other story. So then um, I read, uh, not so long ago, The Damnation of Theron Ware by Harold Frederick, which is probably the <clears throat> sort of high watermark of Edwardian attack on the Christian church. It's sort of pre-Sinclair Lewis Elmer Gantry and pre-Theodore Dreiser. <clears throat> and um, it's a violently eloquent attack on the Christian church in which a young and very sincere Methodist pastor with his young and very sincere wife are basically crucified by their local church and more importantly by their denomination, which in this case is the United Methodist Church. They're crucified by it for purely political reasons. It has nothing to do with anything related to faith and theology. And the poor uh, minister really loses his conviction. He, he, he is, his morale suffers such that he becomes completely the tool of other influences. And first he is sort of seduced by a very aesthetic, wealthy man who's sort of an Oscar Wilde character in his small town. And then he's um, really touched negatively by a liberal theologically in every way, Roman Catholic priest who's delighted to kind of undo this young evangelical man's uh, faith. And finally, a, uh, an unscrupulous female kind of itinerant um, fundraiser for the Methodist Church with her husband who's devious and villainous in league with her. They ultimately um, give the coup de grace to this poor man, obviously through the normal entry point of sin and sorrow and power, and he is completely destroyed by his sort of one-sided, seductive, uh, sed being, having been seduced by the lady who has no intention of following through at all, and his life is destroyed. And the young man ends up, wouldn't you know, going into politics with a very strong, good future ahead of him. But oh my heavens! And there's also The Calling of Dan Matthews, which was a novel long ago that really talked about a man who was called by God by leaving the church. Now, that is a way of uh, attacking uh, Christianity, which is superficial because it's almost always conducted by people who are in personal reaction themselves, like Harold Frederick. And Harold, look him up. Look up, look up what happened to Harold Frederick at the end of his life. Look up his relationship to a Christian science practitioner, his two families, and the really celebrated <coughs> lawsuit that came out as a result of uh, his uh, illness and death uh, in relationship to a movement that is so similar in many ways to the movement that he hated, which he and his family embraced con Contrarily, at the end of his life, I mean, talk about the human factor. Oh, my gosh. Um, but what we're saying is a certain kind of attack, which is easy to make. I can do it in the church, and you can do it. And we're almost always right, because institutions, when you get close to them, are almost always the opposite of what they started out to be, as has been said by many people, including Spurgeon. Now, um, there's a whole other set of attacks, which are ways of taking us away from the Earth's core, uh, attacks in literature when a uh, situation is described by a novelist in which the Christian church officially lets down the side, but the real uh, ministry of Christ is enacted by a non-believer. In other words, a non-believer ends up showing the church up by being more Christ-like than the group of people who claim to follow Christ. And an example of that is Babette's Feast, which I think we slightly overfreighted when it first came out because it's so much grace in it, but in it... Uh, uh, um, uh, 
Baroness, whatever her name was, uh, Isak Dennison, is trying to show that um, this little group of evangelical um, conventicle Lutherans out on Jutland uh, in the western part of Denmark are horrible, and they have to be shown what true Christian grace is by a non-believing, rather almost semi-fallen woman, Roman Catholic from France, who emerges as the Christ figure. And that's a very easy shot, but a true one, in which those who are supposedly Christian are less Christian than the than the non-Christians. Another example is that you find some examples of that in Victor Hugo, a little more directly positive on the Christian side, but you find it in Rod Serling's uh, Western series from 1965 entitled The Loner with uh, Lloyd Bridges, in which um, uh, there's one episode in which some very tight, difficult Amish or Mennonite, very conservative Christians are untrue to their own deepest uh, um, convictions. And it takes this rather singular, itinerant, disillusioned veteran of the Union Army to sort of show them what true Christ-likeness is uh, when they themselves have let down the side. And that's one way you can, you can get it. Well, you've seen it in your life. People have been more Christian to you who aren't Christians than those who claim to be Christians. And I can give examples, and you can too. But what we're really talking about is not even that, because it's, again, a bit of a narrative. The real truth is what the uh, Christian faith is about is uh, getting to the earth's core of who you really are and God's um, taking that and hearing it and loving it, you, and dealing with it, you. But we almost never get to that point. And all these uh, works of literature and movies and television I've mentioned all sort of miss out. They all tend to stay at the second level of Christian fidelity or integrity, whereas the real heart of it, the earth's core, the kind of rocket ship that hurdles us down to the deepest depths of ourselves is some situation or loss or grief or sin or difficulty or circumstance or terrible, terrible um, impasse that creates total vulnerability, and it is then when we pray that God always speaks, and that is my experience. When John Zoll and David Zoll and Mockingbird and Simeon Zoll, who refers to the church as a hospital, and when John talks about um, God's offices at the end of our rope, and where um, everything that Mockingbird has ever discovered, expressed, and uh, embodied is the presence of Christ and the healing of primal pain at the earth's core, that is the place where the faith is alive and well and enduring and eternal and salvific and redemptive and new beginning in in gendering. <laughs> new beginning in gendering. Uh, that is where we are talking about it. The other day I was terribly uh, upset about a scheduling matter involving travel that upset me terribly. And finally, Mary very rightfully said, where is your faith? She just said, where is, where is your faith? And the answer, which I knew, was nowhere near here. But I took a walk and was very struck by what she had to say, and it did, in fact, make an input, an impact. And as I was walking along, I <clears throat> said, okay, God, I, I don't have any faith at all that you can resolve this um, logistical difficulty that is, is stressing me out, but I, 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 Mary's right, and I ask you to resolve it. You're going to laugh when I tell you what happened. The phone rang that second with the word that the problem had been resolved. That second. 
And that's happened before, by the way. That's happened before. What it meant was that God is waiting for our um, telephone call from the Earth's core, from the core of ourselves. And I just want to tell you that that's the way it really is. That, that, that I, I stand by that. Paula White is correct when she um, says that God always answers us when we speak to him, not about him, or we don't speak about the mountain, as she often says, but we speak to the mountain. And when she states that God never fails us when we actually talk to him without curtains, veils, and conditions, and are simply forced to say, okay, over to you, I can't, this is beyond me in a major way. And a matter of fact, it's so beyond me, I'm beside myself with anxiety or hurt or distress or anger, regret, all the words you want to use. Uh, he always answers, and that is my experience. Now, again, of course, we have to add the codicil, the proviso, that it may be a slightly different way than you expected. Of course, that's true, because we're not God. But he always answers. So that's where I want to leave you. I wanted to take us from Theronware and the world of Sinclair Lewis and uh, through Babette's Feast and Lloyd Bridges and the Loner and even Rod Serling, who did, by the way, see Christmas in the way that I'm talking about at the Earth's core. Um, to the Earth's core, and that's you and me. By the way, at Christmas time, if you have a second, it's easy to watch on YouTube or any place you look. Look up Serling's end of season one of Night Gallery, rather lengthier, like 45 minutes script, which was made into a brilliant, brilliant episode of Night Gallery, I think in 1971, entitled, They're Tearing Down Tim Riley's Bar. They're tearing down Tim Riley's bar about a sort of 40-year-old, depressed, failing, lost, widower, troubled, deeply alcoholic man who is, um, to whom God, to whom, who reaches the earth's core, and through a woman, and through a couple of other events that happen, is brought through it, and uh, is brought through and from and out of the Earth's core into redemption and hope and positivity. And I would say that about any situation you're in. So see, they're tearing down Tim's Riley bar, Tim Riley's bar, and even if you don't see it, no sweat, you've heard what I had to say. Now it's Christmas, and I want to play for you to conclude one of the uh, a classic but late Christmas recording by uh, the greatest group in the history of the world. And give it a little time, because it's sort of initially kind of a cover of... Uh, of uh, Telstar by Joe Meek and uh, the Tornadoes, but give it, give it a minute or two. As always with this particular group, it goes to the roof in the last little section. And it's a Christmas greeting from uh, PC's podcast to you with the earnest love from the Earth's core with all my heart. God bless you. Bye. Hey.